Hey y'all, welcome back to Hour 3 here on the Tuesday, June 14th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Most Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Go check out bluewirepods.com today and all of our other great programs across the uh, Blue Wire Pod Network. Uh, thank you for sticking around for Hour 3 here on today's program. If you missed it, guess what? You can check out Hour 1 and Hour 2 with uh, NFL Network's Bucky Brooks and former head basketball coach at George Washington University, uh, Jamie and uh, Christian, to talk all things uh, George Washington and NFL Draft, all kinds of stuff with uh, both Jamie on and Bucky. So if you missed those episodes, guess what? If you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or your preferred uh podcast player guess what you can find the earlier episodes on this podcast player so check those out if you missed them but uh either way uh, i appreciate you guys tuning in to today's edition of the program and uh, as we wrap up here on the hour three edition of the chase Thomas podcast so uh without further ado uh uncle derek uncle derek what am i saying uncle darren i do these intros really late at night that's the that's the thing um uncle darren let's go Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am joined, as always, at this time every week with Mr. Evan Swords. Evan, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad, my friend. And Eric Crocker is here. Locked on 49ers. One of our favorite. 49ers guests and NFL guys, former NFL player, AFL player. Great setup behind him. He's got a picture of the Sabercats back in the day behind him. He's got all the San Francisco hats. He's got the Giants hat on him. It's a better time to be a Giants fan than a Tennessee fan at the moment. So that's always a good thing because I am dead inside after this weekend. So there you go. Eric, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. Is it because of baseball? Yeah, baseball was rough, man. They lose Notre Dame? They did. Wow. And they were heavily favored. Yeah, we're the best. I mean, this is probably the best baseball team in college baseball history that just went down yesterday. Really? Yeah. I was surprised. So Notre Dame, so Tennessee, I was watching some of it. And Tennessee mm-hmm. was up 1-0. Then yeah. I saw a guy steal from first to second. Then like and then second to third. Oh! Yeah. He stole from second to third. Mm-hmm. And then a ground out got him home. And yeah. that's the game was like one. I, I well, that's our after that, but. Well, that's our thing is like all year. That was one of our Achilles heels. Like all of our pitchers have long leg kicks. So you can get a good jump on all of our pitchers because it takes so long once they're in the windup to get home. And we have a first year catcher. He played left field left, uh, last year. And I don't know, just doesn't have the arm. So people were able to run on us all year long. But outside of that, man, I mean, there was a point in the season where we had just as many home runs as we did uh, given up runs. So yeah. like that's just it's insane. And uh, power if, on that squad. A lot of power. It's just, it just, baseball is not like, uh, college baseball is not like, um, college football, where college football, if you're the best team, you're going to win, you're going to win the national title. Like, that's just how that's going to go. Generally speaking, Alabama, Georgia, whoever, Clemson, Ohio State, they're going to be in it. Baseball, you have to be perfect over and over and over and over again. A number one overall seed has not won the tournament since 1999. Wow. So, well, I live in Arkansas. They have a pretty good baseball team. I don't know how they yeah. do it now. They just went to the – they're in the College World Series. They won yesterday, okay. so they're in. They're back in, yeah. That, we basically yeah. did what Arkansas did last year, where Arkansas was the number, number one overall seed last year, and they were just yeah. beating the crap out of everybody. I don't think they lost a series before. They lost to NC State and got upset. But, yeah, it's just hard, man. Baseball, it's, it's a hard deal. 
Arkansas. I know people didn't come on here to listen to me talk about Arkansas, but you know, I live here now. Well, you're an Arkansas guy now. Yeah, well, I'm a little more aware. Yeah. I was actually. I wanted to ask you. I mean, this is very Arkansas specific. Yeah. It's one of the most exciting new businesses in this in the state of Arkansas. How's the gym coming? Oh man, uh, it's a training long. facility. Yeah, so it's a it's essentially a big box gym, I guess you could say. Okay, uh, we're building it from the ground up. Cost me a little money. It actually wouldn't have been that bad. Well, I mean, it, it was always going to be a decent amount of money, mm. but the inflation of everything right now, like as we were going through the process of like me, you know, getting the loan and things like that, like the price like kept going up and up <laughs> and it went up like, man, it was around, you know, like close to 500,000 mm-hmm. when I started, which isn't too crazy, like to build no. your own building from the ground up. Mm-hmm. But as inflation kept happening, it went up to around 750. So my monthly payment still isn't crazy in the sense of like the money that you know generating and things like that to pay back the loan, but uh, it it definitely didn't have to be this expensive. <laughs> yeah, so basically, you're yeah. going to be selling fifty dollars smoothies, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, Croc secret stuff. You can do the whole Space Jam thing and uh, sell. Yeah, fifty bucks a pop. Croc secret yeah. stuff, man. You could you can cover like him in press man if you uh, spend this fifty dollars on this this drink. I I'm, like I'm it. About a month away. I'm about a month away from. Oh wow! Being able to utilize it, and then uh, come like the beginning of August. I think I'm gonna have like a grand opening on yeah. August first, which happens to be on a Monday. Uh, that that would be there. So I'm excited about that. A lot of that goes into it, and. Now, I've essentially been an entrepreneur mm-hmm. for like the last year, mm-hmm. I guess. You said. And uh, and when I say entrepreneur, I mean like I have no job, right? Like mm-hmm. our job is the things that I do to generate income. Mm-hmm. But like legit, like running your own business, this is my first taste of like that. And it's different. There's a whole lot that goes into it with stuff that like it's not what I do. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. my wife, she just graduated from nursing school. Very cool. in. So I've had to do more of and prepare more for certain things where I would just be like, babe, man, take care of this, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I've had to do it. And um, it's different. It's different. I, I just want to go and train athletes and then talk on podcast. <laughs> but instead, yeah. I got to worry about all this backend stuff. And then, okay, what software are we going to use for people to sign in? And, uh, okay, I have to do this and do that and create this structure. And, okay, I got to reach out to this person. I mean, all type of stuff that I just don't care to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're like, I just like working out and training people. Yeah. So now it's like, you know, it's like a legit business and yeah. you got to the taxes and stuff like that. Right. You know, <laughs> you don't want to start getting whooped there. So yeah, you don't um, want to be the Chrisleys over here. I, you don't wanna... right I got, a, I got yeah. a buddy that lives in New Orleans. So I'll, I'll definitely, I know that's not too far away. I'll, maybe I'll have to do a little hop, skip and a flight over and come work out one of these days. Oh yeah. Uh, New Orleans. Uh, we were just there. I, I took my wife and the family out there for her birthday about four and a half hour drive. That ain't bad at all. Hmm. Well, mm-hmm. Arkansas, the closest. Arkansas is everything like there's there ain't nothing in Arkansas, right? Yeah. But you're close to Memphis. It's close. So like Memphis, two hour drive. Yeah. Uh, New Orleans, you know, four and a half to five hour drive. Dallas, four hour drive. Like Houston, mm-hmm. like five. You know, like uh, Kansas City, five hour drive. Like everything is like five hour drive. St. Mm-hmm. Louis, five hour drive. Like everything. <laughs> So all these like major cities are all around me. 
it's just not anything really major. I know what you're wondering, everyone. I, as a guy who grew up on the West Coast that doesn't know a thing about uh, the Midwest or the South, uh, I am now realizing that Memphis, Tennessee is literally next door to Arkansas. That's yeah. Crazy. Oh, Evan, yeah. I could have hit. Yeah, a lot of Tennessee. Actually, it's yeah. connected. And yeah. West West Memphis is actually in Arkansas. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. It, Tennessee's huge. It keeps going. Like ten, like where I'm at in Knoxville to get to where Croc is in Arkansas, I bet you is a ways. Yeah, it bet. is. It How is far a ways. are you from uh, Nashville? Because I know Nashville is like six and a half, seven hours. I think Nashville's three, three and a half. Okay. So it just depends. But Memphis is like six plus. Like it's here's what's crazy. It's just as far for me to get to Memphis from Knoxville as it is from Knoxville to like Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, okay. That's not isn't that just crazy to think about? East. Oh yeah, because it's yeah. on the far east of the coast. Yes. The, of the, the yeah, whatever border. Yeah, it just keeps going. But a lot Memphis. Uh, yeah, it's it's different, man. You keep going in Memphis, Arkansas, Mississippi. They're all right there, pushed together, but. Um, there you go. There's your geography lesson lesson here yeah. on the Chase Thomas podcast. You never know what you're going to get with Evan, Eric, and myself <laughs> here. Um, we have to start with the 49ers guys because Evan was away last week on business and we did not get to talk about Frank Gore who retired and Alex Mack who retired. Um, two 49er legends. Evan will go to his grave putting Frank Gore in the Hall of Fame. Um, Alex Mack, uh, just, I won't, I won't, I won't even need to go to my grave. He's just going to be in the hall. He's not going to be in the hall of fame. I'll bet, I'll bet you, I'll bet you any amount the hall of fame and like players and coaches in general respect him so much more than non 49ers fans do. Like you ask any single like hall of fame member, does Frank Gore deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? They're all going to say yes. Well, I don't think they're going to say no. Like, I don't I don't think you're like, hey, does Frank Gore, de- you know, deserve to be in? Like, nah, hell no, nah, Frank Gore. I'll <laughs> say that, right? Here, here's my thing. And I think yeah. what Chase is saying and what Evan and I I align more with Chase's thoughts. Yeah. What, what I'm assuming how he feels about it, and I get a lot of pushback from 49 fans because everyone loves Frank Gore, and I get yeah. it. I love Frank Gore. I watched his entire career. I watched him take over for uh, Kevin Barlow. Like, and I liked Kevin Barlow. Like, you know, so like I, I get it. I saw his entire career to what he is now, and he's done some tremendous things. I think, Chase, I think our perception mm. of what a Hall of Famer is is different than what it actually takes to get in. Yeah. I think that's why he will get in. Right. Well, like I think for us, and I'm speaking for you, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Yeah. But, I believe, like, to be a Hall of Famer, like, you have to be the best of the best. Yes. Like, at some point, you have to be, like, RB1, RB2. Or RB2 or 3 for a long time. For yeah. period of time throughout your career. Mm-hmm. And I would assume like, that's what it takes to get in the Hall of Fame. I don't think that they hold the Hall of Fame to that type of standard. Mm. If they did, then that's where I'm like, well, I, you know, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't think at any time in his career, maybe year two when he had an amazing year, but outside of that, was he ever a top five running back? And I think most people the answers now covering yeah. more yeah. around six to ten. Mm-hmm. And he was really good and he was consistent. Maybe it was because he played on poor teams, but was he ever considered like, oh man, like you got Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore? Like, no, yeah, was, you know, it was like Adrian Peterson, you know, and then like there were all these other different running backs where you would have over Frank Gore throughout that time. Mm-hmm. Now, where Frank Gore has his argument is, well. Although I was never considered one of the top one, two, three, even four backs, 
I, I outlasted all those guys. So even mm. though I was consistently a, a six to 10 running back in, in the NFL, the, a lot of the guys that were one, two, three during that time that were, that would come and go, Frank Gore was always there. And he yeah. outlasted a lot of those guys. I think that's where his argument is going to be. I hear the argument about uh, he has a 12 straight uh, thousand yard season. Yeah. Like nobody's done that. Like the type of things that are going to get him in. But again, if it's based on, were you the best player during your time? Like he never was. Right. Yeah, but like there's so much context to that because his career is so long. Was Frank Gore the best running back? No. But also, were there some incredible running backs during that time that will also be Hall of Fame running backs? Yes, right? There was like a really strong Well, presence. I mean, you're not going to put everybody in. Steven Jackson's no. probably not getting in. A lot of those dudes from those are like there were a lot of talented dudes who were just better like work done is probably not getting in but here's my point we already yeah. know that we've already had that conversation ad nauseum frank gore like was on one of the worst probably the worst nfl team throughout the his first what like i mean what would you say like cock like the first six years of his career they were they were very bad <laughs> like, like like frank gore was churning out yards with one of the worst offensive lines, one of the worst like offensive coordinators and game plans and like uh, just offensive game plan in general. Right. It wasn't until we got like Greg Roman who like, he really like, I mean, obviously he's getting thousand yard games, but he was just dominant there. Right. Like for him to do what he did. I mean, the average running back in the NFL last two and a half years, mm. 2.57 years is how long the average NFL running back starts. He had 12 seasons with a thousand yards. That's like his body of work is getting him into the Hall of Fame. It's yeah, so not, you're the longevity of it. The not, longevity, yeah. I don't, no, 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 no. I don't like ever that. the best, but the, the longevity. And, and if I, that's an argument, and if that's good enough to get someone into the Hall of Fame, which but is that's, the elite, I, I get what you're saying. But no, hold on. I'm not saying, like, it's not just the longevity. It's the longevity at playing an extremely high level. What's the average production from a number one running back or, you know, the starting running back in the NFL team every year compared to Frank Gores compares actual production and longevity, if you will, for the, the, the entirety of the time. Like he wasn't just a decent running back for however many seasons. He was one of the best. No, he wasn't one of the best, but Steven Jackson sure as shit didn't do him for fucking for a full fun 12 years. You know, Steven Jackson right. didn't do it for 12 years. Steven Jackson was one of the best running backs in football at one point. 100%, but he didn't do it for half of the yeah. time. Why? Because his body didn't hold up. He didn't he didn't Wait, hold on. I have a question. Do you think Todd Gurley is less deserving of the Hall of Fame than uh Frank Gore? Absolutely, of course. Interesting. Right. If we're putting these guys like on a tier of, hey, you know, this guy or this guy, like, yeah, like Frank Gore should be higher. Because Ben Gurley? But uh, to to kind of like my point in the sense yeah. of when you think of Todd Gurley and what he was for, you know, a couple of years, like that peak, like Gore maybe had that peak 2006. And again, we could maybe say that it was because of the teams he played on, but yeah. If we're talking about peaks and then being like that good and like that's what you're known for and that's why you're in the Hall of Fame, that, that's where I have a hard time saying, oh, Frank Gore is 100% in the Hall of Famer. But I, I, I just love the idea of like fans going to Canton and then you see Frank Gore and you, the dad's like, 
So Frank Gore and the, the, the son's like, hey, what did he do? I didn't watch Frank Gore growing up. And he's like, well, he played for a really long time, son. He was, he was really, he, he played for, he worked really hard for a lot say, of bad 49ers teams. And it's like, well, was he, he? That's First off, that's ridiculous to even say that. You would say Frank Gore tore two different ACLs in college yeah. in Miami and then went on to rush for a thousand yards, twelve different seasons, while also yeah. being one of the best running backs in the NFL throughout no, that entire period. You, you lost me there. He was never one of the best. That one never the, happened. If what top five? That's not one of the best. I don't think he was ever top five. If you kind of look, I mean, like, like, what you ask, I think the forty nine came hard. And, and I will say this: I think he was one of the more underrated backs throughout mm. his time. Like, if you if you were talking about like in his like, okay, this is Frank Gore, like you know, yeah. Seven years in, eight years in, I would say he's probably the most underrated back. Like I would hmm. say he's probably the most underrated back in the league for his run style, how he's always productive, things like that. But yeah. I don't think that you would say he's he was one of he was one of the best. Right. Like that would be hard to do because there were so many guys again that were kind of coming and going, but they were just better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, here's my point. The 2005 to 2000, 2010 seasons, right? Mm-hmm. He was on terrible teams. It wasn't until his eighth year when he got under with Harbaugh that he racked out four 1,100-plus yards seasons, two 1,200-yard seasons, eight touchdowns, you know, eight touchdowns, eight touchdowns, nine touchdowns. That was, like, with Alex Smith, like – that's my point. Like, it's impressive because of the teams that he did it on. Like, but look, at, look at look at Adrian Peterson. Yeah, hundred percent. Put the entire Minnesota Vikings team on his back with Christian Ponder at quarterback and mm. said, "I'm going to run you to <laughs> playoffs, and I'm going to run yeah. for two thousand yards." And you knew, like, they have nobody else. You can't name another offensive player. Right. Of team. course, but that but that's the difference between. A Hall of Famer? Yeah. No, 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 no. no. And it's like Chris Johnson, too, where you're like, you remember those Chris Johnson years where it's like the the CJ2K was just unbelievable. That kind of season and that kind of time he had, it wasn't for an extended period of time, but there was a time, and if you see him in in Canton, you're like, oh, yeah, son, like this kid, he was so fast, and he took this league by storm, and he's just one of my favorite running backs I've ever seen. He's just like someone you need in there. Like Chris Johnson was incredible. Ladanian Tomlinson was someone you had to see. I just don't. The one thing about Gore, though, which is funny to pull up, uh, Evan, this might speak to your point, is like the 2016 season, which I think you referenced for Frank Gore. Frank Gore finished seventh in uh, attempts and rushing attempts that year. He is the only above 30 year old to do that in the top 10. So you have Ezekiel Elliott, LeGarrette Blunt, David Johnson, DeMarco Murray, Todd Gurley, Lamar Miller, Frank Gore at seven, Le'Veon Bell, Jay Ajayi and melvin gordon but you go up and down this list and it's like when you look at those later years and gore still pops up in these lists these rushing stats and you're like this man's age compared to every other running back above him or below him is just completely different like that's the thing it's eye-popping i think between that and the respect from his peers yeah and the respect from everyone because everyone loves frank gore he will get in like he Mm because chase you're like oh he's not getting like he will get in so you think for sure he's getting in yeah okay I don't know if I'm but at some point, Frank Gore will get in. Do hmm. you guys, and that was my point earlier. It's it's about there are people in the Hall of Fame that you go, Adrian Peterson, without a doubt, they are at the top of the list, one of the greatest to ever do it in such a like 
unquestionable manner. They are a first ballot Hall of Famer, period. Dog, Ricky Waters is a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Is like, is he on the same level as Adrian Peterson? I can't speak too much as Ricky Waters. Ricky He's before Waters, my time. Though, Ricky, yeah. he was a he was a bad dude. Like he had one one year where he had more. Like he had one season where he had fourteen hundred yards. Everything hmm. else was twelve hundred or less. He had a bunch of touchdowns. Two that seasons, like Frank Gore, because Frank Gore had the one year where it was like sixteen hundred. Yeah, right, right, one hundred percent. But Frank Gore had that, more. Twelve hundred, eleven hundred. You you cannot look at Ricky Waters' seasons and look at Frank Gore and say say that Ricky Waters had the better career. Right, and that that's to my point is the criteria that I have and maybe Chase has in yeah. our, on what the Hall of Fame is is different than what they let in. So from that standpoint. True. Frank Gore will 100% get in. And that's my point. Do you think Do you think Maurice Jones-Drew is going to get in the Hall of Fame? No. Uh, I, uh, Fred Taylor, I think, has a better I, case I, than I, Maurice Jones-Drew. I, hear that. I, I don't think so, but he was really good for a terrible team. I mean, uh, would you put – I think I would put Fred in over uh, MJD. You, you, would you? You would absolutely put Fred Taylor in over yeah. MJD. His stats alone are just very – different but that was my point there is a threshold there's a spectrum of which running what about michael turner beasley the burner i mean not beasley uh fred taylor yeah see that's see that see now that's where my issue is okay fred taylor was better than frank gore yes like and, and he's not in right fred taylor was better than frank gore Yes, at some points, and obviously, like overall, probably, but like once again, I mean, but he went through a stretch where it's like best running back in the league. Yeah, like, he's the best player on an AFC title team. But yeah. I mean, like, this is here's my point. Look at like, if you look at if you actually look at the stats of Fred Taylor, right? What was crazy about was like they're in the middle, like probably from 2000 to 2004, right? He racked off 1400 yards and 12 touchdowns, 1300 yards, eight touchdowns. 1,500 yards, six touchdowns, but then like 1,200 yards, two touchdowns, like like he had – And he know, was considered – He had two seasons, like 1,100 or 1,200 yards and five touchdowns. Like Frank Gore did that and did better. He did it. He did that for longer. There was maybe higher peaks, but Frank Gore did the at, at better more consistently, period. I would also love – I feel like the way I would do it too is like I would pull all the coaches during that time and be like – Hey, uh, you you had a game plan against Frank Gore and uh, Fred Taylor, and during this timeline, who who were you more afraid of, Fred Taylor or Frank Gore? And I I just I struggle to believe that any of them is taking Frank Gore as a bigger problem than Fred. What, what are you? But what that's what, what are you talking about? I do think that they would. As a 49ers fan, Ooh. everything you've ever heard about interviews about Frank Gore is how much of a nightmare he was to take down. He got the yards that he got because, yeah. I'm telling you, Fred Taylor was who he was a he was a player. Fred Taylor I, was the offense. He was the guy. Fred in Gore was the offense for he was like, for six years. He was impossible to tackle. But that's my thing. If Fred Taylor's not in, like then how do you put Frank Gore in? Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? Because you talked about Ricky Waters. But my point Ricky is though, is that and like Ricky Waters in, but then Fred Taylor, who was considered one of the best in the league yep. for an extended period of time. But he's not in. But then you look at him, and you know that, that that's the part that's hard. Look yeah. at Fred Taylor's stats next to Frank Gore's. 
Frank Gore mm-hmm. did it, did the same, but for longer. That's how. Mm-hmm. He had a better career. Look at the stats. He actually kind of had a sneaky uh, long longevity. I mean, like he actually, did 12 look, years? Up, look at the, look at Fred Taylor's stats mm-hmm. and compare them right now to Frank Gore. I mean, he was averaging 5.4 yards a carry in uh, his age 31 year. That's crazy. That's pretty crazy. I yeah, I understand that, man. <laughs> I'm like. I'm just saying Fred Taylor was still a really good player in his early 30s. Like 5.4 yards to carry at 31 in this league is pretty wild. I mean, he, you know, in Miami, Frank Gore had 4.6 yards to carry. Like, mm-hmm. But my I point is, you line up the stats next to each other. So I, I think Frank Gore, and this is my point. Like mm-hmm. everyone wants to latch on to the, oh, well, he wasn't the best running back in a league that had like Adrian Peterson, right? There was some like insane. No, to be the best. I'd say yeah. Can he be top five over an extended period of time? And I think the answer to that is still no. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. And I would never, like, once again, he's not on the Adrian Peterson level. He's not getting into the Hall of Fame because he had five amazing years. Yeah. He had I think that's just what, that's the difference in opinion really though, good. right? Like that's the, not even opinion, the difference in like what we want out of the Hall. Where like, I don't want the Hall to be that. Like that's just not something I see it. Like, if you have to explain that like the longevity or he was never a top five guy, but he was just really good and really solid for a really long period of time. It just sounds like he was a really good player. No, but, but like the hall of fame is like a really great think, player. Bro, Chase. I do think when you say yeah. things like, you know, only person to have, you know, 12 straight or however long it was, uh, yeah. 12 yard seasons. Right. Mm. Uh, uh, guys aren't really doing that. Right. So, like, it, it, it's going to have to be things like that. that get him, Because if you look at, I just looked at oh, Ezekiel Elliott, mm-hmm. right? At, at one point, he was considered the best, if not top three running back in the league, right? Like mm-hmm. top three, maybe you could say, you could make an argument for the best. Mm-hmm. And throughout his career so far, every year, he's had over 1,200 yards from, uh, from scrimmage. Yeah. So like, though, you know, it, it's like, well, if he did it for six more years, yeah. It's not, but higher than four, but you know what I'm saying? Has, Zeke has maybe two years left. I, well, I know. That's what it looks His like. Clip, like this year, this this coming season, he's played seven seasons so far. Mm-hmm. This season, we might see him benched. I, I, I also it almost happened last season. If well, it wasn't I mean, for the Because he had sneaky, I mean, thousand yards, and he was kind of banged up. He mm-hmm. had. I remember hearing his mom on spaces. He also had 10 rushing touchdowns. Like, he was still, like, productive. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, I get like his mom was like, "My son is hurt." Yeah. I mean, well, that was clear. Is, it's like we all knew. It's like, yeah, he's playing hurt. That man is not right. That's not the Zeke Elliott that we know. That's not why. The, the... Why did Why did Devin Hester get in the hall? I mean, because he's the best he, special teamer of all time. Right. He, but he did something that no one else did. Mm-hmm. He did. You're You're looking at production, right? No one did more touchdowns, but he did yeah. something that no one else did. Frank Gore did something that no one else did. Yeah. That's my point. Well, what I'm saying, well, the difference though is Devin Hester, when you think of punt and kick returns, you think Devin Hester. Yeah, but I also think about the opening kick kick returns returns. really matter as much in the NFL. Well, no, what I'm saying is like if you're looking at the kickoff return in the Super Bowl against the Colts, like boom to the crib. And teams like coaches were like, they were terrified, like just kick it out of bounds. They would rather kick a 20 yard punt out of bounds than kick to Devin Hester and give him a chance. To really change the whole dynamic of yeah. that. Like they were terrified of this. Imagine, imagine Devin Hester, though, in this 
NFL with these new rules where they're constantly just yeah. all, every kickoff is going. That's true. He, I mean, zone. he definitely wouldn't have gotten as many opportunities. Right. He definitely would not have. But I, mean, I, I don't want to, I think we're diverging like very like, far. Uh, Frank Gore as well, because I think he's going to be the last of the Ironman running backs. Yeah. Like, you're going to see guys that play for as long as he did that get as many touches as he did. Yeah, teams don't want to do that anymore. They don't want to do that. I know people are probably going to be confused listening to this, like, oh, Croc doesn't want Frank Gore in the Hall of Fame. That's not what I'm saying. Mm. My criteria aligns a little bit more with what Chase thinks in the sense of you have to be the best in the league to make the Hall of Fame, and we don't think Frank Gore was that. But I agree with Evan in the sense of Frank Gore will get in because Mm. he has these certain things, and he played for so long, and he did certain things, whereas, like, there probably won't be other people that do that. So he will be in the Hall of Fame. I think the pushback from 49er fans on like my tone and how I talk about it is everyone loves Frank Gore. Yeah. Right. Including me. And and you can't find a teammate. Like he was, he was it's like work done. He's like the work done for the Niners. Player. I mean, like, I mean, like, I don't know, maybe it's a bias because I was on the West Coast, but like Work done was not talked about the way Frank Gore. Was well, no, I'm saying work done in the community, and everyone who has ever met work done likes work done. No, well, I know, I know, yeah. the, I know the philanthropy and all the things yeah. outside of that very much. So, but I mean, like, you know, I, I don't. That's my game day app- Sunday jersey. It's apples to oranges, I think, for like work and. I mean, work is really good. He was solid, man. Work was. Uh, he, I think I feel like the comp with him, if he had lasted a little bit longer, I mean, what he did in Tampa and then in Atlanta for a while, he was. Very solid for an extended period of time. Work done was a really, really solid running back for for an extended period of time. Never the best, never great, just really I mean, good. He was good. He had what one, two, three, four, five thousand yard seasons. Yeah, right. half. Yeah, half of uh, Gore. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, work done had what one fourteen hundred yard season. Yeah, but his was more pass catching too. I wonder what if you combined his all scrimmage, his yards from scrimmage. I wonder what it would be because right. he was uh, he was pretty early on on that front, uh, being a, a multi dimensional back in those early two thousand years. Um, in terms of Alex Mack, though, to to put a bow on uh, Frank Gore, um, I think that was good. I like that discussion. That was good. Yeah. Um, Alex Mack retires, Forty uh, Nine er and Atlanta Falcon legend Alex Mack. Miss him every day here in Atlanta, right. but. Um, he retires. Was this expected, Croc? Did you did y'all see this coming? Is this is this something where you have a center and somebody ready to go to replace just a, a legend like Alex Mack uh, <laughs> going into next year? Yeah, well, it, it sounded like they were kind of prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And the Forty Nine ers they tell you a lot about a, a situation like that kind of coming out of nowhere to most people. Where like, no, they knew all along, mm. and. Most people thought that they would address center in the draft. They did not. Mm-hmm. They actually got Donovan West from Arizona State as an undrafted rookie, which I think if, if 49ers would have drafted him third round, 49ers fans would have been like, oh, they got their they got their replacement mm-hmm. for Alex Mack. Like, that's why they drafted him in the third round, and everybody would have been so excited about it. But he ended up going undrafted, so the, you know, the excitement around having Donovan West isn't as much. Uh, the, the 49ers and their staff – they don't make a whole lot of panic moves. Hmm. I think maybe the biggest panic move I've seen is probably like trading for Trey Lance. But aside from that, they kind of understand like they have like their vision of how they want to do things and they typically stick to that. Right. And um, when I say Trey Lance as a panic move is because 
I think he was like the third option, right? Like it was like Matthew Stafford. Damn, can't do. It. Okay, Deshaun Watson. Oh, damn, he's a weirdo. Okay, okay. Well, oh, let's trade and get Trey Lance. So that was a little bit more of a. a well, I think y'all also knew that the Falcons were taking them. I, I'm still under the belief like if Lance is there at that spot and y'all don't trade up to get ahead of us, I think Lance is a Falcon. Right, right, and that and that's what I've heard a lot of as well. But in the sense of most other moves that they made, a lot of things aren't really done out of desperation. So I'd assume that they have someone in house that they really like at the center position because if they didn't, they would have addressed it a different way. Who do you, think, who do you think it is? We don't have to go. Yeah, uh, I can't think of his name right now. Brinkle, not uh, Evan. Do you know? No, it's Brendel. Brendel. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like they really like him. You hear Trent Williams talk about him. Trent Williams said that it's like talking to a coach. So huh. it sounds like it's someone who is extremely smart. Yeah. Uh, he's been around the league a little bit. Yeah, uh, Bre- Jake Brendel. Jake Brendel came from UCLA. Yeah, he saw yeah. by the Dallas Cowboys as an undrafted free agent in 2016. Okay, he he's going to be the guy. No, he's going to be good. <laughs> I don't know, but they believe in him enough to where they said we're not going to address the center position, which Kyle Shanahan holds as a premium position because they put so much on yes. him. You know, have, understanding the line calls. A, a lot of people think it's all the quarterbacks, right? Like with the sight adjustments, the line calls, sliding protection, things like that. But I think the Kyle Shanahan, what he does, he puts a lot of that on the center. Hmm. The center helps out the quarterback. Hmm. With that. So you need someone that is really smart and understands that inside out. And Especially when you have a new quarterback. I mean – so like, I I don't like the idea of giving the 49ers some like pass here. I think they handled hmm. the center situation terribly. Like, like I to, I like the Alex Max signing in a vacuum because you know we we're like okay this is good. But like I was always worried about this. I'm like how many seasons does he have left, right? Mm-hmm. And you know he came in, he played, and but he's already gone, right? And then in the process they didn't draft a replacement. Um, we still had some kind of weird issues at guard. I don't know if there's fully solidified. And uh, I just, I feel like Kyle Shanahan is like, oh, we got Trent Williams. He'll, he'll, he'll make up for it. And I think this was a really good opportunity to maybe address it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to look at halfway through the season, how, uh, how our running back is that we took in the third round. Versus well, how you have four, so I don't well, even know. Yeah, my, my point is his production versus how some of the uh the centers that got drafted from the third round on. Um, there's players that I think can step in, but Kyle's mm-hmm. never to me like Kyle has never really appreciated the offensive line as much as I would imagine someone would that runs this much. I think, you know, getting Trent Williams after Joe Staley that's great, but like the entire other side of the line has always been like, oh, well, like Lakin ended up playing really well, but he got cut from Detroit. So we got kind of lucky there, right? That wasn't some strategic smart move. That was the line. I think they traded running. for him. Huh? They traded for Lakin. Yeah, yeah, excuse me. We traded, uh, was it Eli Harold? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like that, they were going to cut him, I, I think is my point. Um, mm. But like there wasn't like really strategic like, Oh, let's go out there and get the best possible players for our line. It was always like, you know, little like let's let's see what we can do in terms of like maybe a you know a late round trade or like maybe we can like get someone cheap here or we'll use a late round pick, right? And like last year they drafted Aaron Banks in the second round. Obviously that didn't work out yet. Hopefully it does this year because uh, Lakin is gone now, and I think that's kind of the goal. But like 
overall, I would like to see more of a focus on an offensive line. Like I said, when you are Kyle Shanahan and you care about running the ball more than anything else, and especially considering how we've watched George Kittle, a guy who went from like having 1,700 yards in a season to having like a respectable 1,000 plus, but being a – he's a sixth offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that's a very specific Evan thing that I constantly talk about, and I will until the end of the time. But like I would love to see a solid five – person starting offensive line and George Kittle can go do his thing and we can bring in our tight end two or tight end three or whatever to do the blocking duties that they've always wanted George to do. So lots of things that kind of worry me with the offensive line. The center is at the top of the list. Hmm. Has Jimmy Garoppolo stepped on a 49ers practice field for the last time? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Interesting. I, th- I think they're going to wait till he's able to, to to practice. I think at this point, like the longer we're going, and Eric, you might know, or you might have your own opinion, but uh, I think we're getting close to him getting released. If I'm the 49ers, the way that the way I try to spin releasing Jimmy Garoppolo is by saying you want to give him the opportunity to figure out the, what situation is best for him. Right. The Browns are going to have to do the same thing, right? We, we love his time here. We respect him enough to not just trade him somewhere that's just going to benefit us. We will let him go and let him find the best situation for him. When the reality is that is that they fumbled the bag all every step of the way. <laughs> they didn't trade him early because they thought they could get more for him. And then when they couldn't no, trade I don't him, agree. I don't agree. I think so. I, I think the only reason he was not traded – was because he came out and had to get surgery. Like if they he were, could have got traded before then. But oh, you mean like during the season or like right after the season? Kind of like yeah. a Kurt Smith, yeah, in the city. I mean, like there was no reason when that season ended that they shouldn't have immediately traded him. All right. Yeah. If they would have traded him for like a fourth or fifth round pick in the moment, every one of us would be like, "Oh, that sucks!" Right. But then down the road, now he gets, you know, all of a sudden he has to get surgery, whatever. Like, I just, this is, you know, this is going to end with Jimmy at this point getting cut. And it's not, it's like the worst case scenario for him and the 49ers. Like, neither one is going to win. Because Jimmy's now going to go on to a team that really probably doesn't need a quarterback as much as they would have in the beginning. And he's going to be competing for maybe a starter spot, maybe a backup spot. I feel like it's too late. I just feel like wherever he's moving in, like team mini camps on the way, like teams are getting acclimated. He is screwed. Uh, you know, there, there just isn't that open spot. Yeah. I think teams right now, and there could be a team that just did not like what they saw from their quarterbacks during OTAs, right? They took a whole lot. If they, if they were like, oh man, like, you know, yeah. we expected OTAs to look this way and it just wasn't to our expectations. So, all right, let's go get Jimmy Garoppolo. There, yeah. there might be that team out there, but it might be – I mean, the, the chances are very slim of that happening. And a team trading for him and giving him the opportunity to be out a guy with such short time to do so. And I think the biggest thing that a lot of people forget about Jimmy Garoppolo, which we, we know the Jimmy G on the field, right? Like, mm. with that quarterback, you'll at the very least be in position to win football games. Whether he's the reason or not or whatever, like that could be debated, but you will be in position because he makes enough throws in the game to where like the game will be tight. Now he also makes a few the other way, which also makes it tight as well. But he's not a great practice player. Yeah. And I think that's the part where 
if you are just saying, oh, well, Jimmy G is going to come in and he's going to compete with Marcus Mariota for a starting job. I, I was waiting not, for, I was waiting for someone to say, I was, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like. That Mariota looks better in practice than Jimmy G. Now, that's not to say that he won't look better in the games. That's not to say that uh, Jimmy G's uh, leadership abilities, which a lot of people put a lot of weight in, uh, don't maybe put him a little bit ahead of a guy like Mariota, who's a little more, who's a little quieter. Thanks, thanks, baby. Who's a little quieter? But there's that chance that it's it, does, it looks a little funny in practice, and it has. Yeah. I mean, there was literally a practice where he threw not one, not two, not three, not four, but five straight interceptions. Not even an in, incompletion in between picks. Now it was a red zone drill, and I mean like team red zone. But he threw five straight, right? Like so. That's who we're talking about. Where he has these weird moments in practice, where if it is a legit competition, there's a chance someone can be look a little better, especially someone that is more of a veteran. Now, like you know, Trey Lance, rookie, who's going to have his ups and downs, and has to like try to grasp this hard ass offense from Kyle Shanahan. It can be a little bit more difficult for him to truly compete as a rookie coming in. But like a veteran like Marcus Mariota, who's kind of been around the league played in different offenses that can actually like function, uh, maybe not at the highest of levels, but enough to where, Hey, in practice, like I look good. That could be a little worrisome for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo coming in. I mean, he's out playing Des to this point. Des struggled last week a little bit in uh, some passing drills, but Mariota and Des, they're just, they're, they're super calm, cool, collected customers. I like them both, but I, uh, here's my, my read on where both end up because I think him and Baker are both kind of screwed in different ways where I don't think either have a starting job available to them uh, whenever they do get released. Cause I do think they both end up getting released. I think that happens. Both teams just swallow the bullet here and just, uh, just move on. I think Jimmy winds up in Miami. I think that's ultimately with two his injury concerns that they're like, we've got to compete and really go for it. And I could see the McDaniel uh, background there where he trusts him. He knows the system. You could bring him in. I don't think two, I think two is just a workhorse and he had Jacoby Brissett behind him. I think he's a good teammate. I think he'll be fine either way, but I think Jimmy winds up in Miami. And then I also think Baker, my, my huge, if I'm Baker Mayfield, I understand that I'm not starting this year. I'm going to Baltimore. And I'm just going to back up Lamar because of the situation with the contract in Baltimore where like I get cut, I sign there. It's an offense that I think will be extremely friendly to a guy like Baker. And you just, you sit, you kind of do the Jameis thing and you sit with Greg Roman and you work uh, with Greg Roman and uh, you get to go against your (laughs) AFC divisional rival who did you wrong. Here's the tough thing about Jimmy Garoppolo to potentially the Dolphins. Yeah. One, it, it, He's a hard guy to have if you're not planning on him being your starter, right? Like just mm. or either compete or come in as a backup just in case to it, right? And his teammates are already starting to vouch for Tua, right? Like mm. hearing that with I love uh, Tua, man. Tyreek Hill and yeah. what Tyreek Hill said about, you know, the accuracy thing, which he's not wrong. I don't know why people think that's the wildest thing ever. Yeah. Like nobody said that Mahomes or, or, or Tua is better than Mahomes. Like, no, but like there is a scenario where he's just a more short area accurate quarterback yeah like, just watch the alabama tape versus the it, texas tech tape with mahomes it's two separate it, kind of quarterbacks right you know it, it, it is is uh two of the explosive quarterback is he the playmaking quarterback that mahomes is is he going to be mvp of the league probably never ever but can he be like more accurate in certain areas of the field 
I could see that. And I don't think that's wild to kind of say that, especially with someone who doesn't have like a gun of an arm and mm-hmm. is just happens to throw a more catchable pass. So I could see how a receiver might be like, hey, I like this guy. You know, same with, I mean, 49ers are going to have that, right? With From Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo, where Trey Lance might not be as pinpoint accurate, but he's more of a playmaker. Mm-hmm. And, and at the end of the day, as long as you get the ball there, you're fine. Is it as pretty of a spiral? Is it those things? Like, you know, no. But can you still do more? With the trade lands, like yeah, and that's the same thing with Mahomes and Tua. I think it's kind of like ridiculous, but I say all that to say, Jimmy Garoppolo, it's tough because of the person that he is. It's really hard to bring him in to a situation if he's not going to be your starter. Like Washington Commanders would have been perfect because if you trade him to Washington, he's coming in like that's your guy, that's your starting quarterback. But if he's behind someone, that's it. It starts to get a little weird. Because mm-hmm. people gravitate to Jimmy Garoppolo because of the leader that he is. And uh, you don't want that for Tua. Who hmm. they also have Teddy Bridgewater. So yeah. Teddy Bridgewater is like poor man's Jimmy Garoppolo. Like not as good, but yeah. Or not, yeah, not as good yeah, as Jimmy. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, I think Jimmy is definitely going I think right now, you know, once he's obviously healed and gotten rehab and all that i think that jimmy's better than a lot of the starting quarterbacks in the nfl but it's not a matter of that it's a matter of those teams have already spent resources to put those quarterbacks in those positions right like is jimmy going to be better than marcus Mariota? of course i think so is he going to be better than whatever washington trots out or whatever carolina trots out i think so but it doesn't matter because they already did their thing. They've already settled with what they decided they want to do for the NFL season. So now, you know, the 49ers have kind of put themselves in a position where no one needs Jimmy unless mm. there's a freak injury. No that's one the thing. Him. I was going to say that's what they might be waiting on. It's the injury part of this. Right. No one needs this, him. Like, that's this stuff. happened with Des Bryant. Remember Des Bryant? Des yeah. Bryant got released really late in the offseason. Like it wasn't that first wave of – of uh, free agency or anything like that. It was like after the draft. So once the draft came, they ended up releasing him. Well, teams that would have wanted him, one, they, they got guys in free agency. Mm-hmm. Then two, if they didn't get him in free agency, they got the guys in the draft. And then all of a sudden, oh, Des Bryant becomes available. And obviously he's not like elite Des Bryant like he was a few years prior. So it's like, well, yeah, he might be better than some of these guys that we have, but we don't necessarily need him right now. We'll just wait. And he went most of that season – not signed. Then he finally got signed and he ruptured his Achilles, you know? Yeah, right. And those are the type of things that kind of, you know, can happen. But it, Jimmy would be that type of situation mm-hmm. where guys have made team, they, they've made their moves at quarterback. And it, I think it would take an injury uh, for him to go somewhere. Now, if you're the 49ers and you can't trade him, do you, do you keep him? I just you can't keep him at this I, point. I you can't do this to Lance anymore, man. You got to move on. You can't do this to Lance anymore. You got to sink or swim this year with Lance. Yeah, we're, we're too far gone. Like, one, mm. Jimmy doesn't want to be there. You have ruined every chance he had of getting out of that, getting onto a new team. Right? Like, let's not forget, Jimmy, we're so used to Jimmy always saying the right thing. Right? Jimmy is always like, oh, well, you know, I'm here for the team. I want to do what's best for the team. I, you know, like, he always says the right thing. That doesn't mean that he's happy about the fact that he should be on a team right now. Um, so I think that version of Jimmy's sailed. I think he's going to be like, Hey, I appreciate it guys, but I'm out. Um, on top of that, I, I just, yeah, once again, I don't think, you know, 
Eric, I obviously I know you got to head off to him, but I don't want to spend too much time on it. But I just it's Trey Lance time. That's we're the ship has sailed. And, and yeah. I'd say it is Trey Lance time. I think the 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 thing I was waiting to hear, and actually Kyle Shanahan said last year, like you know, hey, the, the players are letting you know when it's Trey Lance time. Right now, okay, Jimmy G's our guy, but like you'll you'll know. And from everything that you're starting to hear out of San Francisco with with the players and how they've gravitated to Trey Lance and the leadership that he has shown. And he's really taken hold of, oh, this is my team now. Jimmy Garoppolo, you, you've you been gone. He's away, and they, they give him a pass, like, hey, don't even show up, right? Yeah. Trey Lance has had that opportunity to really be like, okay, like, I'm the guy, and kind of grow within that role. And it seemed like every step along the way, you started getting better. Every step along the way, you start hearing a lot of compliment, compliments about him from his teammates, and not just, like, Normal stuff. Like, oh, yeah, you know, he's looking good. You know, he's taking a step. Man, he's going to be so great. Not those type of things. I mean, speaking to the person that he is, the leadership that he has. Oh, yeah, referring to him as QB1, you know, like referring right. to it as his team. Once you start hearing those things, and then, you know, you see the report where he stayed he stayed an extra week, you know, to, to work on certain things by himself, like at the facility with the coaches that are there. And, you know, that that's just the type of person that he is. So I always assume, like, you know, eventually he'll – Wherever it was that you want him to become, he will be that guy. Now it might take some time, right? You know, right. and how much time do you have to have with when you have a team that's kind of loaded and ready to go? I think that's kind of the the mix up there. But I think yeah. eventually, if you told me in two years from now, like you know, is he playing like at a Pro Bowl level or something like that? I'd be like, yeah, because of the type of person that he is and the work ethic he has. Hundred we'll, percent. We'll end on this before you run, Eric. Quickly, if we gave. Um, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan true serum and uh, we just we get and we got one question and we asked him hindsight being 2020 do you think you should have just taken Mac Jones instead of Trey Lance and avoided all of this what do you think they would say with true serum I think that they would say that initially they might have been a little worried by some of the things they saw but they've come along to where now they are perfectly fine having Trey Lance over okay. Mac Jones yeah initially, I would yeah. You know, well, you just don't know. It, it just, you know, different things I've heard, you know, just certain things look a little weird. And I think the toughest thing for him, for Trey Lance, and, and this is why I salute Belichick and the Patriots for what they did, right? Like, it, it not exactly the same, but they just cut Cam Newton. Mm. So you don't even have, like, look, kid, it's your team now. Grow into that, right? And we're talking about a Mac Jones who started off two and four. Yeah. You know, and, and, and not only started off two and four, we're talking about a Mac Jones who... Had a you know a strong point during the middle of the season, and then the way they ended the year, you know he the Patriots he had a game with one pass. Well, he had that, but <laughs> hold I mean, on, and he also won the most boring Thursday night game that just killed killed me. That Falcons oh, Patriots Falcons, games is yeah. still the but, worst NFL game I've ever seen in my life. That was so, just oh my god. So to the I'm gonna point, have nightmares though, about that forever. To the point of the question, do we think mm. that Kyle and Shanahan right now, right now? I think after watching that Mac Jones season, seeing it have some good, but kind of being exactly what you expect out of Mac Jones. And then you look at like where Trey Lance is right now, right in training camp, you know, in the OTAs kind of doing all that. I think they would say we're happy with the decision we made. I like it. Eric Crocker, Lockdown 49ers. Where else can the good folks check out your work and all that good stuff as you hop off here today? Uh, Really follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker and everything I'm doing, I'm pretty sure I posted at some point or <laughs> sometime or another. So Lockdown 49ers, Lockdown NFL Draft. Uh, come at you five days a week on both of those shows. Awesome, awesome. Well, keep up the great work, sir. 
gym coming up soon and uh i appreciate you making the time as always man have a great rest of your day and a great week all right appreciate y'all thanks eric and then there were two on this edition of the chase Thomas podcast with evan swords who has been banished to his new office the bedroom with the <laughs> air conditioning unit right next to him i know it's like really like hello yeah it's really I, there's got to be an echo is, is there someone next to you in this unit or no no, this goes outside. Okay, interesting. Um, well, Evan Swords, we were gonna. The, this is a nice lead into the Cam thing. Did you listen to Cam on the Pivot this week? Or this I, mean, I, read, week? I read about it. Yeah, I'm. It's. I mean, it's, to me, it's not really like new news, right? It's kind of. It's like, not new news, but I will say the reason I wanted to talk about that briefly was that Cam's interesting. I like listening to Cam talk. I think Cam is generally speaking a interesting thought he's an aware player like he isn't aware of how people see him he's aware of how he's perceived he's aware of the responsibility that he has um he's aware of and really conscientious of his atlanta roots and who is a player who he is on and off the field but it is interesting to hear other players like go at him when he says that like i'm one of the top 32 teams or top uh, one through 32 guys in this league And it speaks to your point about Jimmy, where it's like Cam is one of the 32 best available quarterbacks in this league, I think, still. Mm -hmm. I just think certain teams have moved on. And it's like he he's in this weird spot and veteran quarterbacks find their cell. Like you don't have a lot of um, and I just this is something that I think the NFL has to continue to be better about, which is um, black number two quarterbacks. We don't see that nearly enough and that is a problem that we have to adjust where it's like cam needs to be he should be on a roster like brian hoyer getting these checks and the jim sorties of the world where it's like those backups like african-american quarterbacks generally speaking don't get to go to that point um or they don't get the opportunity to be a number two quarterback and it's like cam i think should be at the very least one of those number twos on a team where they're like, we're not sure about our guy or if an injury happens, we get cam in there, but his explanation for why Carolina and new and new England did not work was fascinating. Like he was open about it. He was like, I was not prepared enough in new England, essentially where he was still learning. He was like, this is a really expansive playbook. And that was not something I was familiar with. And it took a lot of research and working. And I just, I, it was, it, it was a lot. And he was open and honest about his struggles with both stops. So I don't know. I came away thinking Cam's got a really good perspective on where he is right now as a player. And he's, I think, frustrated that he's not on a roster yet. And I don't know. I, I think it, it was fascinating. I'm pulling for him. I mean, I'm kind of over feeling sorry for Cam at this point. He's had a great career. Yeah. Um, but like, that was kind of the reason, right? Like everyone's like, listen, Cam's not as talented as he used to be. He's getting older. He's had some injuries. And like, we don't know if we want to like, yeah, I remember like all the, all the stuff that you heard about cap, like mm-hmm. I felt was like really like more aligned with like cam. They're like, we don't want to deal with the show. We don't want to mm-hmm. deal with all the distractions. I'm like, to me, that's actually cam, right? Yeah. Like cam is kind of a distraction. He is very outspoken, right? Like extreme, like cam is, <laughs> but he's always been this. It's like, that's right. who cam is. Yeah. But that's my, I, that's, I, I don't think I'm at the point yet where I still where I'm like now like rooting against Cam because I, mm-hmm. I, I I think he's I don't know 
Do I think he like if he walked up? into yes. Pittsburgh right now, he's the best quarterback in the Pittsburgh room? I, I think. don't think so. Absolutely not. He's taken such. I mean, Trubisky man, I, or Pickett? Do you think that they are better in 2022 than Cam? I think. Yeah, I think. I think Trubisky at this point hasn't had the injuries that Cam has had, and he's mm-hmm. nowhere near the ceiling of what Cam has. That's the been. thing, though. It's a ceiling. That's the other thing. It's like Cam's better than Zach Wilson. Like everyone knows at this point, but the theory, the theoretical Zach Wilson is higher. Yeah, but that's than, a, that's just a, that's an opportunity cost. Cam correct. right now. Like they're like Zach Wilson is a project, right? They're trying I mean, to mean Washington. Some- look at your guy with the Ron, like Carson Wentz. Do right. are you sure that Cam is not better than Carson Wentz in Washington this year? I mean, that's like, to me, honestly, those are like a really good example because they're both yeah. terrible. <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't, but, Carson I, but, wasn't but, terrible but, last year. But Carson let's, let's, just had a bad ending. Carson wasn't speak- terrible. Yeah, yeah, Carson was terrible. Carson Carson had decent stats and decent yeah. games, but Carson did things that barely any quarterback like Carson failed miraculously like in, in such epic ways like Carson Wentz screwed up in probably one of the largest like terrible moments that I think I've ever seen the way he sold that game mm. with the playoffs on the line to one to the worst team in the NFL like that has to count that has to matter more than just the game that has to add more to the equation than, well, he had some good games or he had a long mm-hmm. pass. Losing the playoff hopes with a roster that that's good solely because of you has to make such a difference. And I and I think that's kind of the thing. But to the to the quote and to Cam and all that, like I think it spoke to like the issue that teams had with Cam, where he's like, Oh, I, you know, I had trouble learning the offense. Well, that's what people were saying was the issue with him. Like, we well, it, it's not even that he was having trouble. Like it was like uh, it was just that like it's a lot. It was the problem of like it's a lot of information and it takes time. And right, I don't think Cam saw Cam's that he saying. had the time. I that's don't think what, Cam thought he had the time. That's what Cam's saying though. Those are yeah. coming from that's coming from his perspective. Mm-hmm. So what do you think Bill Belichick would have said? Do you think Bill Belichick would be like, oh, I agree, he just didn't have enough time, or did he just think, nah, he just wasn't working hard enough? He wasn't I ready. I don't know. I think, I think it's just so hard to speculate on that. But I just, I mean, obviously he liked Cam. He brought in Cam. He's the de facto GM and final personnel guy. Like he liked Cam and thought it would work. And Cam right. was pretty solid um, that first stint uh, before the Mac Jones experience in the COVID year. Like they started out really well with Cam. Um, I don't know. That, that's a big what if. Cam in New England is like going to be a big what if. Then, of course, the I'm back and the situation in Carolina. But it's like people who look at Carolina and how that ended for him, especially it's like that was a terrible team. Like that team just spiraled like Cam at 33. What is he, 33 years old now? He's just he's got to be in a situation where he can he can win. But I, I think his point, which is the broader one of like there are going to be quarterbacks at like 29, 30, 31, 32 around this league who start because they're young. And like you said, the ceiling's higher, and I understand that. You have to play those guys. But Cam is saying that, like, well, that's fine, but I'm still better than them right now. Like, I I understand that you have to play and figure out who those young guys are, but I'm still better than them right now. Like, I'm probably better than Trubisky right now. I'm better than Marcus Mariota if he starts with one. I don't think he's better than either of those quarterbacks. Interesting. you know how I feel about Trubisky. Yeah. I mean, like, I think it's Cam's Cam's play in Carolina is a great example, right? Like he couldn't pass the ball some of the games. Yeah. And then, you know, he'd get his rushing touchdown and everyone would be excited because it was old Cam, but he couldn't pass the ball. And like, is Trubisky 
a good quarterback. I wouldn't even say he's a good quarterback, but I think his floor is higher just because he's like, he'll do the bare minimum, right? He can pass intermediate passes if everything's perfect. I don't think Cam can do that. Hmm. I think Cam has physically fallen off like aggressively. I mean, like it's, it's not his fault. He played his, he played his butt off. He played really well for, for a good chunk of time. He went to a Super Bowl, but then he had injuries. I mean, he, he was like kind of a running back. Like it does, it puts tolls on the body. And like last year was a good example of he, he, I mean, had his, he had his run. So yeah, I still think he should be a backup somewhere. And I just want to see that change where it's like a lot of these teams, these guys should be backups. Like I don't he should be or, on the radio. He should be, he should be working for ESPN. I'd rather hear, listen to him than, than uh, Stephen A. Smith. He's very calm and collected and doesn't really get upset. Like he's, he's just interesting. He kind of talks like a pastor to me uh, when I listen to him talk, but um, right. I would highly encourage folks to go check out the pivot podcast with him um, last week. Cause I thought it was interesting. You'll learn a lot about cam and how he sees things. And they ask good questions. I, I enjoy that podcast with Ryan Clark and Channing and um, uh, Fred Taylor, but uh, I want to ask you about Trayvon Walker, your own, your old friend, uh, Trent Balky. So right. Jags are going to use Walker as an outside linebacker. And remember coming into the draft, it was like, they see some Alden Smith there. And then right. you see, he's going to be an outside linebacker and he's not gonna He's not going to be lined up in three technique and that kind of thing. He's not going to be a defensive tackle in this league. He's not going to be a uh, hand on the grass. He's that's not how they envision him. Um, what do you make of Trayvon moving to that outside spot? And that's part of the reason they did not go Hutchinson. It seems like is because Hutchinson could not do what they want uh, Trayvon or see Trayvon doing with Caldwell's defense, because this comes from PFF quote. Uh, and this is what Caldwell said. Um, so quote, I think his best position is outside linebacker because of his length, his athletic ability going against tackles. Um, that is a premium position in this defense. He can play other positions, but his home for us is outside linebacker where we see him being a force. We are going to try to mold him and let him take off and go. Um, Caldwell noted that uh, Walker is big enough that he played defensive tackle for part of his college career, but fast enough to play linebacker. Quote, you think about his uh, the size, his height, his weight, his speed. It's like a unicorn. He is unique. He plays that way, and you can see it on tape. You see the burst. You see the speed. You see the moves he has. We are excited about him and think he will be ready to roll. Do you see this being a natural transition and him being a really elite high sack guy, high pressure guy right away at the outside linebacker spot. I don't know. What I will say is this as, as someone who's like hates Trent Balky and has hated him for a very long time. Mm-hmm. He was very right about Alden Smith. Alden Smith was incredibly right. Right. The long arms that he loves, mm-hmm. right. The intangibles, right. Just that athletic talent. Like he was right about Alden Smith. So if he's going, trust me, guys, this is another Alden Smith. I'll give him that. It's the one good thing he did. But I will say this. Eric Armstead, who got drafted, played out of position for the first couple of years. And it didn't go well for him for a while. And the the team kind of was wondering if he was going to be as good as he was. Eric Armstead has been one of the best defensive players for the 49ers the last 15 years. But in the beginning, it was kind of played out of position. So, like, it's two sides to the coin. Is there a chance that Trembulke knows what he's talking about? Maybe. He, hit, he was pretty smart when he came to Alden. But 
is he playing the right position? That's an entirely other converse, you know, different conversation. And we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I mean, it's exciting. I think if you're a Jaguars fan, that makes more sense to me. I think that's, uh, it's going to be fascinating. I'm going to want to see what he looks like on the edge. And he also is playing with Jonathan or he's also playing with a very good pass rusher. Yeah. Josh Allen. And they drafted a bunch of linebackers. They're, they're kind of loaded in the front seven uh, in Jacksonville. So I think they'll be okay on that front at the very least. Um, in terms of uh, Lamar and Kyler, Kyler reported this week to OTAs. Um, Lamar still going through it. Um, Terry McLaurin, I don't think, is reported. He wants a new deal in Washington. But between Lamar and Kyler, who do you feel more confident that the organization and the player figure it out? I don't know. I think this is like, it's been an interesting like revelation, right? Like the biggest yeah. thing we talked about how Debo Samuel wasn't going to like. All that's done things, now, right? Like they, he's yeah. playing for the 49ers this year. Yeah. I think, I think Debo's agent and him probably shot their shot and it didn't work um, when they realized they had no leverage. But my point was just that like Debo was the biggest one that everybody was worried about, but then DK and Terry are not, you know, in camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyler was like, obviously like Debo, like, you know, making a lot of noise, but he's showing up. Mm. And then I think it just comes down to who has leverage and who doesn't. I don't think Kyler has the leverage he wants. I don't, I know Debo doesn't have the leverage he wants. So, you know, Kyler going, oh, I'm going to miss out on money, right? Like, I just don't think it helps his cause to not show up. Yeah. And, you know, that's the pro that's the, that's the deal that that's how you deal with it when you don't have leverage. I'm curious to see which, how it unfolds for both these guys and if it permeates into the regular season, but we shall see, we shall see. Um, Evan, uh, any storyline right now in the NFL season that has you most intrigued to wrap up here? Has there been one non 49ers thing that you've been thinking about the most? Non-49ers thing that I've been thinking about the most. You know, it's been a weird, quiet offseason, really, for the yeah. most part. Like, the things that we just talked about were the biggest, really, like, pieces, right? It's, like, kind mm-hmm. of the people that were, like, contract negotiations. Um, I will say this, not just because I'm a 49ers fan, which, obviously. Um, yeah. But, like, to me, the biggest storyline is Trey Lance. And I know I'm a 49ers fan, but, like, the implications are insane. Hmm. This is a team that went to the NFC Championship last year. They were one game away from the Super Bowl. He's looking good in camp. You know, George Kittle goes on Pat McAfee's show. He's talking about, right, like he does things where I'm like, God, I just want I want him to pass the ball to me. Hmm. And, I, and I think nothing matters to a larger degree. Nothing has more of an impact on what's going to happen this NFL season than if Trey Lance – is as good as the the Niners thought he might be when he was drafted. Hmm. Because if Trey Lance is a top 15 pick or top 15 quarterback this season, they have a chance to go back to the Super Bowl, right? And, like, if he's a top 10 quarterback this season, they're winning the Super Bowl. Like, that's the team's that good. So I I think even if I wasn't a 49ers fan, that's what I would be most curious about. If you ask anybody in the NFC West – they're all going, you know, do you think Seattle fans are wondering about Drew Locke and Geno Smith? No, they're probably like, I hope. Trey One, Lance two, three, is- Super Bowl. Right. But they're like, I, I hope that Trey Lance is bad so that we don't have to play him the way 
you know, we had to play Russell Wilson for 10, 10 years. Mm-hmm. If you're a Rams fan, you're like, okay, you know, can we, can we repeat? Can we repeat? We have a chance. We lost some players, but it also probably, you know, depends on how good Trey Lance is. Right. And if you're the Cardinals, you're hoping that Kyler can, can, you know, continue to do his thing. And you're like looking at like, okay, the Rams are the team to beat. Who do we have to compete with? And they're thinking the 49ers and it all depends on Trey Lance. And then on the other end, far end of the spectrum at the end of it all, like the NFC, it's not as stacked as the AFC. Mm. So so I think like teams like the 49ers, you know, the Cardinals, they can like, we have an actual chance to compete for the NFC championship, Mm. you know? And I think, you know, the Minnesota Vikings of the world who you're like, eh, probably not going to compete normally have a little bit of a better shot this year. And, and I think that's kind of like where the curiosity is, is like who, who makes it in the NFC? Um, but well, see, that's my, why oh, I think with the NFC is my, my number one is can the Packers win a title with the best defense in football and moving on from Devonte Adams where Aaron Rodgers only has to pass like 20 times a game. They have to score basically, 24 28 a night and they just win that way i don't think so that's I've, what they're I've betting seen, on though which is interesting no yeah, one's running their team like this i've seen the green bay packers fail in just about every single way the night can. is dark is just before the dawn you know this yeah you know but trey you know excuse me aaron Rodgers isn't batman right aaron Rodgers, do you see his new girlfriend mm-hmm. like i'm not one to ju- judge people or you know who you date or whatever but like Aaron Rodgers talking to Pat on Pat McAfee shows when he's talking about like, Oh, I did this like cleanse, which was like basically just like drinking colon blow for like two, you know, not really, but like, it's just like a full body cleanse. Like, like obviously he's probably out there like doing ayahuasca, like some trippy drugs and shrooms or whatever. Like now he's dating this girl who like says she's a witch. Like, I don't know. She like pushed back on witch. I think she said she's not a witch. I don't know. But whatever. Uh, her I mean, name like, is blue point. though. I yeah, but her whole point. point is she's like very. I do think that that is gonna that can be a distraction to Aaron Rodgers. I do. I just think he's who he is. I think he's just uh, he's he's growing. I don't know. But he's man. leaning he's... more into that. Yeah, and I, I can think... promise you, being a football player, training every day, that personality type, and then the personality type of like you know, free thinking, free flowing nature, healing, all the, like those, those are not connected personality types. Mm. So I think it's going to be hard for Aaron Rodgers to navigate that. And what do you need when you're like, in you know, like what would be the perfect thing for Aaron Rodgers right now is security blanket Devonte Adams. And he's gone now. That's what I'm saying. Like I, that's why I think it's so interesting. I have no idea because the Packers should be the favorite going into next year in the NFC. No man. I think they should be. I mean, do you really think that they won't have the best record in the NFC next year? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The, Until it does. The, the the point of the Green Bay Packers is it doesn't matter how many sta- you know how many yards Aaron Rodgers throws for, how many MVPs he gets, he does not get it done. And here we go. He just lost his the arguably the best receiver in the NFL that he couldn't do it with. Mm-hmm. And you, That's now why we you draft Christian Watson. Maybe he's a really good player right away. Christian Watson is like barely a second round receiver. I don't know. A lot he of people is, like him. A lot no, of people like him. I, I, I liked him because he was Trey Lance's receiver in college. And yeah. I can promise you, a lot of people were not that impressed with him. Okay. Mari Rogers, also third round guy uh, uh, a year ago. 
Sammy Watkins is in the building. He's tasting Aaron Rodgers until the clock. Robert Tanyan's is, still there. You know, God, Rod, shout out to Robert. Aaron Tanya. Jones out of the backfield. Until the clock is 0.0.00, 0. 0. 0. 0. Mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, you will not convince me that the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. I don't know if I'm there. I think the Super Bowl winner comes out of the AFC just with how many juggernauts there are. I just think, I don't, like, if I had to do a Super Bowl right now prediction, if I had to predict who's in the Super Bowl on June 13th, 2022, I'd probably go Packers. I would go Packers. Uh, maybe Packers Broncos, Packers Chiefs, um, Packers Ravens, maybe. Something like that, but I uh, the AFC is still a mess. But I would just right now, I think they're they should be considered the favorite in the NFC. I I think the Rams, just because Matt going back to back hard, man. No, but I mean, like I'm talking about. Okay, so remember who was in the NFC? Yeah, right? the Packers and the Cowboys are frauds. The Eagles have a great roster, but Jalen Hurts is not taking anyone to a Super Bowl. Yeah, right. I mean, there's no one else in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm sorry. Tom Brady is not doing it this year. Well, that's the wild card. I don't know. I love the Russell Gage. I have. I think the Minnesota Vikings have a better chance of being a, a competitor than the Bucks. Oh, wow. I'm not there. I'm I mean, there. I just like I, like, I know we've been doing this with Tom Brady for five years. Yeah, I'm not betting against Tom Brady. But, I'm, that I, happens. but I think we're closer to that. Well, well so, you'll be right eventually. Like, it happens for everybody. Like, you, if right. he keeps playing, it's going to happen at some point. Well, and also, like, last year, he was, you know, he played really well. But, like, I don't I don't know. When when the postseason came, like, it just didn't feel like he was, you know, as dominant. I mean, he, like, that Tom Brady magic just didn't seem to be there. So that's, what I, that's why I really genuinely believe that the biggest storyline is Trey Lance. If you look at the NFC. Not Desmond Ritter, offensive rookie of the year. If Trey Lance is a top 10 quarterback, the 49ers will absolutely throttle every single team in the NFC. And I know, I, I know, I know I'm a homer. I know I'm a 49ers fan, but like I am talking about a team that just went to the NFC, you know, and I'm not that guy, but everyone else is like, oh, well, Jimmy sucks. Mm. Right. Like they almost got to the Super Bowl with a quarterback that everyone thinks sucks. So if Trey's actually good, it shouldn't even be a competition. That's a good way of ending it. Mr. Swords, anything you'd like to plug? We can find you on your full account. It's back. No uh, more burner swords. Don't worry about that account. It's at Evan Swords. Follow him yeah. there. Anything else you'd like to plug as we wrap up here? Uh, nothing, man. The Chase Thomas podcast. Make sure to, to go ahead and give those five-star reviews. Tell J-Impact show today. Yeah. Bucky Brooks, Jamie on Christian. It was, it was a big show today. Bucky's so cool. Bucky is, he is extremely cool. He's even giving me a hard time about Tennessee, North Carolina's rivalry and all that kind of stuff at the end. Love Bucky. Love Bucky. Also, just his show with uh, Daniel Jeremiah, Move the Sticks. You learned so much on that one. They just, it's it's funny when you just listen to people talk and you're like, oh man, they're going to, they forget more football than I would ever be able to even know in my life. It's it's just amazing. Um, Evan Swords, thank you so much per usual and i will talk to you next week all right y'all that'll do it for the tuesday june 14th 
2022 edition here on the Chasing Most Podcast. Thank you guys for sticking around for this three-hour edition here on the Blue Wire Pod Network of the Chasing Most Podcast. I greatly appreciate it. If you enjoyed uh, Eric, Evan, and myself's conversation on this edition of the podcast, please make sure you leave this show a five-star rating and a review if you are an Apple Podcast or Spotify listener. Uh, it helps other people find the show, and it helps this show continue to grow. Make sure you t- tell a uh, family friend, coworker, whoever about the program and why you like listening to it and all that good stuff so that other people find the show and the show continues to grow feel free to email the program any questions mailbag stuff anything like that at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com uh tweet at me at chase double underscore thomas like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer and as always you can check us out on youtube youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast all kinds of video content and good stuff over there so make sure you like and subscribe to the youtube page as we continue to grow that out and get that thing bigger and bigger so uh all kinds of great ways to support the show and support the program read me at sports renaissance man.substack.com that's me sports renaissance man sports renaissance man.substack.com uh new episode tomorrow looks like it might be a three-hour program once again here on the chase month podcast but we shall see uh thank you guys as always for sticking around uh to the podcast and checking out all the content we've got coming your way and more and more on the way this summer so uh make sure you're locked in subscribed all that good stuff and uh continue supporting this program i would greatly appreciate it and uh, i will talk to you folks tomorrow uncle Derek, how'd i do Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.